I'm former Congressman Gary Franks. And I'm his son, Gary. I'm millennial. We're discussing everything from politics to sports and pop culture. From very different perspectives. We speak frankly. Welcome back. We are in March Madness, folks. And so we will talk about the college scene uh, today, just for a little while. But as usual, Gary, I would like to start with the NBA. And we've had some interesting developments over the last week or so. One that I, I just can't help myself from talking about, and that is the Houston losers. I mean, the Houston are they playing basketball? Or not? Okay, the Houston Rockets. They've now lost 19 games in a row. So I, I have to mention that, Gary, because last time I think they had lost 12 games in a row. So they are just working their way toward the cellar, trying to beat out those Timberwolves for having the worst record in the NBA. They are 11-29. and 29. 19 straight losses, and I cannot be more happy about that. And so when looking at that extreme, let's look at the better teams in the NBA. And let's start with the Eastern Division. Even without Embiid, they're still holding the number one spot, that being the 76ers. And they're 28-13. and 13. The Nets are very close now, folks. They're, they're, they're starting to jump. They're 28 and 14. They still haven't worked in our friend Mr. Griffin yet, but that will happen. But they're 28 and 14, and without KD, the twosome, that being Irving and Harden, are doing extremely well, uh, keeping them right near the top. I saw a game last week, Gary, that of the, the Milwaukee Bucks, and I got a little upset by what, what the Greek freak did in that game. You know, granted, the uh, Sixers were playing without Embiid, and they blew up a 17-point lead. But still, you don't do what the Greek freak did in during that game, Gary. He actually had a very miserable first half. I think he scored only four points, but he scored about 20-something points in the second half. And after scoring one of his baskets, he actually sat on the floor and smiled at the 76ers. Now, that's Bush League. And then I saw an interview after that in which he was kind of making fun of that. You know, that's Bush League. I mean, why, why do you do that? Why do you, you know, but he got a kick out of it. And as always happens, you know, sometimes when you, when you really brag too much about yourself, things really do kind of tumble down on you later in the future. Not that I'm wishing this on the Greek freak, but let's be a little more mature, Greek freak. Don't try to make fun of people when they're when they're down when you you when you've done something well and you do something that you know quite frankly I have to think really really long and hard to see if I ever saw a player sit on the other team's court during the game and timeout I've been called obviously and just sit there on the floor for a second or two and smile at the other team that that is just totally humiliating and just simply not necessary. We're not looking at a basketball player take, being that arrogant and being that insensitive to people. And quite frankly, had there been 18,000 fans sitting in the stands in Philadelphia, you would have been booed unmercifully by the Philadelphia fans. So you really took advantage of a situation that you know you would never be able to do during a normal basketball season. And why in the world would you want to do that? So anyhow, I'm giving you a little, you know, spanking here at Greek Freak because it was totally unnecessary. 
quite frankly, I think he lost some votes for MVP. Not that you're going to win it. Anyhow, I'm not saying you are. I'm not saying you aren't. But I think some writers who saw that were saying that's a little bit too much. Think about it. Would Oscar Robertson do that? No. Would Kareem Abdul-Jabbar do that? No. Would Michael Jordan even do that? No. And I can go on and on. So why are you acting like that? It's absolutely ridiculous. And please, please, let that be the first and last time you do something that silly. I disagree with everything that you just said. Oh, okay. Uh, and the reason why I disagree with it is because there's a deeper meaning to it. And I will always take this approach when it comes to Giannis because I think anytime he plays against a player that is signed to clutch sports or unclutch sports, whatever you want to call it, LeBron James's agency or mm-hmm. be nice, Rich Paul's agency, mm-hmm. Ben Simmons, it's always going to go back to that because a few years ago, Rich Paul said he would rather have Anthony Davis on his team and mm-hmm. Ben Simmons, and then they laughed about it. So we'll always go back to that point. I completely agree with you on, on this one point. The fans would have booed him. He would never be able to walk out of the arena. But I have no problem with him doing that because to me, it's just, you know, we want rivalries in the NBA. And I think it would be great if there's a rivalry between Milwaukee and Philadelphia. Because normally when Giannis plays against the Sixers, the Sixers are usually able to contain Giannis because they have a big front line that can contain Giannis from getting to the basket. Mm-hmm. So the fact that Giannis was getting his way and doing that, I have no problem with it. It's just as disrespectful as Steph Curry shimmying on the court. It's just as disrespectful as Dame Lillard, you know, throwing his wrist saying it's Dame time. There's, look, I have no problem with it. We want more rivalries than the NBA. I thought it was great. Well, I like rivalries, Gary, but I don't like uh, trying to uh, do something that is just totally, totally embarrassing. And and I take exception to, you know, what Steph does, it's, it's what he does. You know, he scores a basket, he turns his back, and shoots. That's fine. Well, Michael did when he put he shrugged his shoulder after he made, you know, like 17 baskets in a row. That's fine. But to actually sit on somebody's floor is really bad. It's just like in football when, when one of the players would actually – go to midfield and, and, and do something despicable on midfield when they're playing against a team. That's totally inappropriate. We don't need that type of uh, mockery. Just play your game. You let your performance show people how good you are and how bad the other team is. And keep in mind, the guy who was going to win the MVP award, in my estimation, wasn't there. So don't, be, don't think that you own the court because you were able to come back from 17 points down to beat the 76ers when they didn't even have the best player on the team there. So you didn't do anything. If you had done this, if, even if you wanted to have, you know, pat yourself on the back because you beat the 76ers, if they had their full complement of players, you know what? You would not have won. So don't be gloating over something that you, you, you're taking advantage of a situation, not taking advantage of the guys injured. You can't do anything about that. He can't do anything about that. But you did not beat the 76ers when they were at full strength. And so you don't own their court. So that's another reason why I take total exception for it, but Gary, but let's move on to what else happened in the NBA. The Heat are making a real strong push now, Gary. They're, you know, I counted them out. I really had. You always said, don't no, wait till Butler comes back. Well, you're right, because they're in fourth place right now, and, and they're 22 and 20. The Hawks, you know, I had counted them out. They got a new coach. They won seven in a row. They are in fifth place right now, 21 and 20. I'm not sure who their new coach is, but they've definitely got a new lease on life because they're playing 
extremely good basketball with Capella leading the way in the leading the NBA and rebounding with 14.1 average. And of course, Trey Young doing extremely well from a scoring perspective as well as from uh, just being a good playmaker. Any comments about the Hawks before I go any further, Gary? Because they're the hottest team in the NBA right now. Yeah, so the Atlanta Hawks new coach really should have been the head coach in the NBA anyway, and he was last year, Nate McMillan. Oh, yeah. So that's, that's the guy right. that took that's the right. place. I like Nate. Of, I yeah. believe, mm-hmm. yeah, I believe his name was Floyd Pierce, the former coach of the Atlanta Hawks, which I thought he got a, you know, a very, very bad deal here because the Atlanta Hawks were not a healthy team mm-hmm. for most of the year, and they fired him. I thought it was really bad. But – I'm not surprised that Nate McMillan's doing a great job because he he's a really good coach. Yeah, go look is. at the Indiana Pacers without him yeah. compared to where they are, you know, when they had him there. No, you're right. You're right, Gary. He's, he's done he's – he's been a great coach. And, uh, boy, does it show. They've won seven in a row in the fifth spot right now. The Hornets are still 20-20, but that's good. Um, they're right in the sixth spot. The Knicks are hanging in there also at 500, 21-21. And then the seventh spot, the Celtics are still kind of haven't found their way. So they're they're in the eighth spot, 20 and 21, much, I think, better team than their record would show. But they've lost three in a row uh, of late. Uh, the Bulls are holding on, clinging on to that ninth spot over the Pacers. And both of them are about 18, 21 and 18 and 22, respectively. And those Raptors, who I don't like, they are fading and they're sinking like lead. They've lost seven straight games. They've had the worst. Oh, no, no. I forgot my Houston Rockets. Other than the Rockets, the worst week of all the teams. And they're now 17 and 24. The Western Conference, Gary, the the Jazz just keep on. They're just winning basketball games. They're 30 and 11. And I'm going to talk about Gobert because I, you know, I, I have talked about him almost incessantly over the last several weeks because the numbers he's putting up are extremely good you would rank number three in the league i believe in field goal percentage at 64 percent he would rank number two in the league in block shots with almost three a game he's scoring 14.4 points a game and he's number two in the league in rebounds 13.5 i don't know what to say the team has the best record in basketball uh, don't get me wrong donovan mitchell's playing extremely well also and he's coming on strong but the Jazz are the Jazz. You, you, we have to respect the fact that they have dominated the NBA this year. The Lakers are in the second spot, 28 and 13. They won four in a row. So kudos out to uh, LeBron James for that. The Suns, are, I'm obviously, uh, I've talked about them in the past as well. 26 and 13, they're playing 667 basketball. Who would have thunk it? And they are off to their fast, the best start that they've had, and I believe in the, in many decades, if not for since they've been in existence, with that spurt that they've had. The Clippers, 26 and 16 in the fourth spot. The Nuggets are, are playing good basketball, the 25 and, and 16, thanks to the uh, the Joker. They've, they've won three in a row. And now the Trailblazers. Uh, Gary, you know, I'm getting to like Damian Lillard more and more the more he plays. I tell you, I saw the game the other night that he got 50 and it was just, he was unbelievable. I mean, he had, he shot with such tremendous confidence. You just knew, even though, obviously I I keep picking on the Pelicans because they just can't find the way to win. Trailblazers with, with Lillard is just special. They are, they are just a special team, Damien. 
He's averaging over 30 points a game, almost 31 points a game. Now he's challenging for the lead in NBA and scoring. So none of this surprised me because Dame Lillard, you know, was showing this effort in the bubble. I thought he may have been the MVP, you know, of the bubble, especially on those last seven games into the playing game. So none of this is really surprising me at all. I think he's proving that he is the best point guard in the league. No offense to Steph Curry, but I think he's, you know, really stepped his game up. And again, he still doesn't have Nurkic, who's supposed to be one of his better players. I, mm -hmm. I believe CJ McCollum's still out as well. No, he he just came back. He just came. He just back. came he, back. He was in that he game just, that I'm referring. Yeah, to. Yes, so he just came back. So um, Dame has been playing without his top two players to basically the whole season. So it doesn't really surprise me at all. I'm happy that he's getting the recognition that he deserves, though. He's he's special, Gary. He's proving it every single night. Uh, the Spurs. Yeah, I don't know how they do it, but other than the coach, they're they're in the seventh spot. They're twenty-two and thirteen. They won three in a row as well. The Mavs are playing better. They're twenty-one and eighteen. They're above five hundred in that eighth spot. And the Warriors are clinging on to a playoff spot at twenty-two and twenty. And the Grizzlies have fallen back. And as I mentioned earlier, the Pelicans. I don't know what's wrong with that team. They're seventeen and twenty-four. I I do want to see them in the playoffs, but I don't think they're going to get there if they continue at this pace. Zion's doing well. He's the fifth in the league as far as his shooting percentage, but a lot of those shots are dunks. He's shooting about 62% from the field and averaging over 25 points a game. But the, the team and Alonzo Ball is doing, doing better than I've ever than I ever thought I would have to admit. Ingram is the leader of the team. He's doing well, but they're just not winning games. And it's I know the West is stronger than the East, but still, you got to put some victories on the board. And right now, they're not in the playoff picture at this point. So, Gary, that is basically how the week went in the NBA. As far as the NBA's MVP award status, no dramatic changes for me. I would move a little bit up the totem pole, so to speak. But Embiid, to me, is still the MVP, even though he hasn't played. He's been injured. But he has maintained that position as far as I'm concerned. He's averaging 29.9 points a game. He's one of the top rebounders in the game. The team is the best team in the East. He is right there at the top. I still have James Harden at that number two spot, as you did last week. We'll see how you would rate James this week. But he's doing everything he need to do to have the team perform as well as it has. They have the third, maybe the fourth best record in the NBA at this point behind the 76ers, the Jazz, the Lakers, getting 11.2 assists a game and over 25 points a game, just playing great basketball. And in third spot, I'm moving up. Damian Lillard, he is just special, and he is proving it, as I st stated earlier, each and every day. And he's going right now for the scoring title over a bill. He's very close to having that spot secure. Definitely ahead of the pack as far as anyone else would be concerned, as far as there's only two players right now averaging over 30 points a game, and he's one of those two. And then, of course, Chris Paul, because, no, not because of his scoring, but because of his leadership. He's averaging about 16 points a game. But he is doing all the necessary things to make the Suns a contender this year. Obviously, the playoffs has always been the Achilles heel of the Phoenix Suns. So we're, we're a long way from that. But they are doing extremely well during the regular season. Even without Booker playing, the Suns have, have managed to stay in the top tier in the Western Division. So uh, those are my four. And then you have the usual suspects, the Greek Freak and LeBron being the, in the fifth and sixth spots, so to speak. And as I bragged about, though he will not win the MVP award, Gobert, I would have him in the seventh spot as far as the uh, top seven or eight players 
that should be in contention. And then the last person would be the Joker. The Joker is just doing everything that you would need a big man to do and more. You know, he's scoring 27 points a game. He's rebounding. He's uh, playing just an outstanding overall floor game. One of the top players in the league in assists. He, he's doing extremely well. Dasik would be a, a distant number 10 or 9 or 10 person because he is averaging 28.8 points a game. He is getting 9.3 assists a game, and he's doing well from a rebounding perspective. And it's, his team look, would look as though they are going to be a playoff team this year. So he would be in that last, the ninth spot. And then, of course, Leonard would be in the 10th spot. The team quietly does what they need to do. They're 26 and 16. It's a quiet 26 and 16, but they are. And he is the undisputed leader on that team, and he's a winner. So those are my top 10 guys that would, I think, be in contention for the MVP award if you had to uh, rank them at this point. But to me, it's in beads to lose, and I don't see that happening at this juncture. So I'm only going to stick to three. Okay. And my number one has changed dramatically, but I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, my number three would probably – actually, you know what? Let's get to it right now. My number three is Joel Embiid. He's not winning the MVP this year. Uh, there's no way because he's going to miss too many games mm-hmm. this season. Okay. So it's not even worth even putting him at number one. Mm-hmm. He's had a phenomenal season, but um, the injuries have caught up to him. He may not even play in a quarter of the games this season. So I can't mm-hmm. put him as MVP. So the other two guys, my number two is still Dame Lillard. He has to get Portland to a little bit of a higher seed. I would like for him to get them to at least to a five seed, a four or five seed. I know it's going to be very hard to do so. But if he's able to get them to a four or five seed with the uh, points that he's averaging now and, and uh, you know, all the other stats he has, you know, he'll be the MVP. But right now, the MVP is James Harden. Mm-hmm. Not really close for mm-hmm. me. So we know the media wants LeBron James to be the MVP, you know, for the storyline purposes. He's in his 18th year and all that stuff, which I don't really care about. But the storyline is the reason why Giannis is not even in it because, you know, there's been a few Fox Sports media members that have been saying that uh, for historical purposes, it's not good to let Giannis win because the only guys that have, have three-peated in the MVP was Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain, and most recently Larry Bird 30 or 40 years ago. You know, so from historical purpose, you know, they don't want to give Giannis the MVP because Giannis hasn't won a championship in his first two years yet. So that's why they don't want to give it to him, you know, which I think is ridiculous because if he's having an MVP season, he should be the MVP. But the Milwaukee Bucks are not the you know number one seed in the Eastern Conference, so that's why I'm not giving it to him. But James Harden is very clear. He's very valuable because you've mentioned it um, earlier in the show. The Houston Rockets have lost 19 straight games, and who's not there anymore? James Harden. <laughs> and the uh, Nets have won 13 out of 15 games. Who's there now? James Harden. So it really isn't that surprising to me. I hope they don't hold his Houston Rockets uh, time for those 10 games where he wasn't trying and he was out of, fat and out of shape. I hope they don't hold that against him. But to me, he's the MVP. Okay, that's interesting, Gary. So Michael did not win three straight MVPs? I didn't realize that. No. Oh, wow. No, so the people not. who won three straight were Bill Russell, Will Chamberlain, and Larry Bird. Wow. Yep. That's a very exclusive club then. That is quite an achievement. I don't see the, the Greek Freak winning another MVP uh, this year at all he's not even in the top three you know I, I wouldn't even put him in the top three let me throw one more thing in there as well which is also why the media is not going to vote for him for probably any awards is that there's only been three players and he's one of them to win the mvp and defensive player of the year award in this same mm-hmm. year 
And those two guys won the NBA championship yeah. and were finals MVP those years. That was Michael and Akeem yeah. Olajuwon. Giannis didn't even get to the finals. So there's no way they're going to yeah, get to Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. And I, I think that when you look at who will be in the finals for the Eastern Division and who will be in the finals in the Western Division, I think that the odds-on favorites would be the 76ers, which will have them be like, or the Nets. Those two teams have a 50% chance of winning the title. And I think that they're the the MVP will come out of one of those teams because I don't think the Jazz would have a player that would be able to stake claim to that. And they, once again, they're not a real good playoff team, so we'll see how far they go in the playoffs. But I do believe, I do believe, Gary, that those pesky Phoenix Suns could surprise some people. And that is what I'm hoping for. I think Booker's injury is going to give him a little more rest. Not that he needs rest. He's a young guy. But I think the team is really a team. I'm very impressed by them. And I think they could shake up some things, depending on where they're situated, if in their second spot or third spot in the, in the playoffs, will determine their matchups. But I, I see them going against the Mavs or the Warriors or the Spurs and beating them without having any problem whatsoever. And then I see the Suns being able to beat the second place team, which would be either the Lakers or the Jazz. And I see that happening. So I, I really see the uh, Suns doing well. And that is why I do have Chris Paul in the running for it. You know, I think he has a lot of friends, a lot of people who would like to see him get that award and like to see him in the finals. I think it's very doable. But I also see, quite frankly, the Portland Trailblazers. Truly, they have not been a good playoff team either. But if they can make some noise in the playoffs, you know, it could be Lillard. But I think they're looking not to have a player get the MVP award who does not seem to be on a path to winning an NBA championship. So I think you have to be on that path. I think when, when the Greek Freak won it last time, I think they saw him on the path of leading his team to an NBA championship, and he didn't didn't happen. I don't think they're even going to give them a chance this time as far as giving him the MVP award because I don't think there's a path for the Bucks this time around. They're not better than the Nets. They're not better than the 76ers. I don't see them getting it into the finals. Well, I'm going to say this as well. I think it's very important for the Brooklyn Nets and for the 76ers to get the one seed. I know the Sixers have mm-hmm. it right now, but you know, we both agree that Brooklyn and Philadelphia should be the favorites to get each other in the Eastern Conference Finals. But you don't want to play Milwaukee in the second round. So, you know, I see Brooklyn trying to get up to that one seed. I think they're going to end up getting the one seed because you don't want to play Milwaukee in the second round because Milwaukee could be one of those teams. It's not likely, but it could happen. No, it's possible, but I don't see it happening. But the fourth spot's going to be weak because right now it's going to be Either the Heat, the Hawks, the Hornets, Knicks, or Celtics. And I don't see any one of them being serious threats to the number one seed, who could be ideally at this point, it would be the 76ers. I think they can handle those teams very easily. I think the Nets can handle them even more easily. I think that it could be a you know, lights out four or five game series. But I agree. Real I think quick, the, two, I the, 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 the two and three teams, if you're in the second or third spot, it could be a tough series. Yeah, I disagree with I think Philadelphia will have a very tough time against the Miami Heat because Jimmy Butler still hates the way that they got rid of him. So I thought that would be a very, very, very tough season. That would be a very tough season for Philadelphia. Philadelphia would rather see Milwaukee, and I think Brooklyn would rather see Miami because of the matchups. I don't think Brooklyn wants to see the Milwaukee Bucks because they're a long, big basketball team that can cause them problems, while the Miami Heat aren't a big no, team at all. So that wouldn't cause them any problems. While the other way, Philadelphia knows how to guard Giannis because Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and, and Tobias Harris, they can all pack the lane. 
because they're big guys and they can stop mm-hmm. Giannis. But the Miami Heat are small, quick guys that can cause them a mm-hmm. lot of problems. And the Sixers still cannot close games at a high level, in my opinion. And and and, and trust me, Miami can. So that can be a very tough matchup for for them. But we'll see as we get closer to the postseason how everything shakes out. Following three terms on the city council and three terms in Congress, former Congressman Gary Franks' consulting firm has helped scores of companies, large Fortune 500 firms, small businesses, and even startup companies secure millions of dollars in federal government contracts and international business opportunities. Congressman Franks, a Yale grad, author, Fortune 500 executive, and former visiting professor at Georgetown University, UVA, and Hampton University will use his knowledge, experience, relationships, and strategic plan model to help you reach that next level of success. Schedule your participation in an upcoming webinar to learn just how Congressman Franks can help you. For more information, email gary at garyfranks.org now. So fortunately, Elgin Baylor passed away this week. I know that he was one of your favorite players, Dad. So, you know, I'll let you talk more about him. But just real quick, I want to mention the fact that guys like Elgin Baylor changed basketball forever. And I think that's something that a lot of people, especially younger um, listeners, should understand, is that the NBA was not really above the rim before Elgin Baylor came around. And I think a lot of people, you know, don't really know all that information. But I'll let you go into it. Yeah, he was he was a great player, Gary. He was uh, your uncle's favorite player. I think he even wore his uniform, wore, wore his number, I believe. He was one of my favorites as well. He played kind of like a, a small forward. He was six five, and he, but he, you know now six five, you got to play almost point guard. But he, back in the day, six uh, five, you could play small forward. A tremendous rebounder and a tremendous scorer. He led the nation in rebounding when he was in college. Yeah, I think he also led the nation in scoring when he was in college. He was just a remarkable talent. His biggest regret, or I think the biggest disappointment that he would have and all of his supporters and fans would have is that he technically never won a championship, an NBA championship, even though years later the Lakers did give him the ring that they won back in the 70s. What had happened, Gary, he um, actually tore his Achilles tendon during the season in which the Lakers were destined to go on to win the NBA world championship. And so uh, he didn't want to come back after he tore his tendon during that season. And they went on and they won the NBA world championship that year. So technically speaking, he retired before he was able to be deemed eligible for the ring presentation. But they gave him one anyhow, many years later. Then I got to know him because he also became part of management. And he uh, spent a number of years with the San Diego at the time, San Diego Clippers, and became the L.A. Clippers as their vice president and general manager. But I got to know him when he was the general manager of the New Orleans Jazz. And it was uh, quite an honor to you know, walk into that gym and every day look over and, and see Elgin Baylor evaluating you. It's, it's, it, was like, it, gives, it gives me goosebumps even today. And every day, you know, it's, it's like any other type of uh, camp or any type of tryout, you know, he would call people over and then you wouldn't see that person come back again <laughs> because they were cut. And every day that I made it through and I made it to Friday, started on Monday and made it all the way to the last day. And I'll never forget his words. He said to me, you know, 
you're a good player, but you know, we you know, we got Gail Goodrich, we got Pistol Pete. You, if any one of those guys go down or whatever, you know, you should go to the CBA. At the time, that was the Continental Basketball Association or something of that nature. And yeah, we can, we'll call you up if, if if something happens. And and I looked at him and respectfully said, I have other options, and I'm going to go and take advantage of that. But I did thank him, and uh, you know, I was the last guard cut that year from rookie camp. So I've always remember that and treasure that memory. Yeah, Elgin Baylor was like the master of the triple threat. And that is why he was always open. That's why he took a lot of shots. But he was always open because he was able to use that triple threat to be able to either take the jump shot, fake to the left, go to the right, or fake to the right, go to the left, or rocker and go straight. And he was able to uh, jump extremely well and was one of the, uh, as you mentioned earlier, Gary, he played above the rim and he was able to, it seemed like he floated in the air. It seemed like he was still in the air and the guy who was guarding him was coming down and he was still up. And so he was always open for his shots whenever he got into the paint. And his model was when he get into the paint, you score. And that's what he did. He didn't pass the ball too often. You're not going to see a whole lot of assists from Belgium, but you will see that he took a lot of good shots. A lot of his shots were, he was open because he was able to clear his man through the triple threat and through his ability to jump very well. He had a very high scoring average when he retired. I think it's you know, 26, 27 points a game. And, and he's going to be missed. So he's one of the greatest players of all time. And I can't call him a friend. I only knew him for a week. But I will say that it was a, uh, it was a great memory. Don't forget to subscribe.